one rejects we're back episode 81 today is january 12th and it's gonna be a really good one i'm pumped for it what is it, 81st 81st i just said that sorry i was on my phone hey, it's okay <laughs> i don't know what it is we start recording, <laughs> i can't stop yawning uh but today two great guests not one two you know i would say to that you know i had to double it what? <laughs> you haven't seen that? No. Come on. You ruined it for ah. me. That's a dumb TikTok thing. But um, anyways, Brian Beers, or Bryce Beers, excuse me, joins us from New Mexico State, quarterback there. Michigan native, had a little bit of an unconventional route to uh, joining the Aggies there in New Mexico State. So his his story is pretty interesting. We talked a lot about with him about uh, a learning, learning processes, learning through failures, learning through successes, especially at the quarterback position. And then uh, we'll follow that up with Taylor McCarty, who we've known their family for a long time. He's helping out at Lake Orion, our our high school, our Dragons, but also just took a new specialist job with uh, Lawrence Tech at the NAI level down in Southfield. So talk to him about that. All things specialists, kickers, punters in that world. Now, in the GLIAC, we got a comment on our YouTube that was like, why haven't you guys uh, actually recapped the D2 championship game? I was like, why haven't we? We actually didn't. Did we? We didn't. We didn't rehash it. We didn't get a reaction. We didn't break it down. Nothing. So we're gonna we're gonna go over it's it. It's been today. a while, dude. It has. I just realized that though. So shout out to shout out to you if you commented that. I I totally. It's kind of a blowout game too. Wasn't anything too exciting. But we're gonna rehash that today. So D two championship recap. NFL. We got a lot going on. Potential landing spots for Derek Carr. He announced that he's parting ways officially. I mean, I think it was pretty obvious after they benched him and told him, you know, kind of got rid of him. Yeah. yeah, basically. But also some funnier things. We got a wide receiver that signs a pregnant woman's belly. That'll be a fun one. And then a promising young new NFL reporter. I think you know oh, where I'm going him. with that one. That's a pretty that's a pretty good one. I liked um, him, yeah. He was great. Now, uh, college side of things. A new rule from the NCAA is going to crack down on the transfer portal. They're doing they're releasing some new litigation that is going to make it harder for second-time transfers. Listen all about that later on. Popeyes gets a new brand ambassador that we have a little bit of a connection to here, which is kind of interesting. You know, kind of where I'm going with that one, too, I imagine. Yeah, he probably jumped me. <laughs> And finally, Stetson Bennett working at Raising Canes after his second national championship. Was he? Yeah. We're going to watch it all. We're going to watch and react to it all. But as always, you can watch this episode on YouTube. If you are, hello. Don't forget about the timestamps. Red line at the bottom of the screen. Any and all of that stuff. Fast forward right to it. Get the hell out of here or listen to all of it. I'd really appreciate it. And you can listen pretty much anywhere. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you name it. Follow us on Twitter, D1 underscore rejects. Instagram, Division One rejects. Instagram hit 500 followers. Congrats. Big and you saw that TikTok was doing numbers too. TikTok. The boys talking about Lad McConkey did about 20, 25K or something crazy 26K. like that. 26K. We'll take it, man. Get us on TikTok too. I got to start adding that to yeah. the to the intro here. We, but hey, listen. All it takes is one good. video, dude. I know. You guys know Charlie D'Amelio? Like, how do you... She all wasn't... Right. All right. We're, she wasn't trying to get famous off, off her dancing with her sister. Like... We're lacking in that department a little bit though. What? We're two good looking guys. Guys, that's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> All right, before we get into any of that, let's go to our first guest, our conversation with Bryce. Joining us first on this episode of D1 Rejects, we got a Michigan native. He threw for 4,500 yards and 70 touchdowns in two years as a starter. Took a little bit of an unconventional path, but now he's joined the Aggies at New Mexico, New Mexico State. Excuse me, Bryce Bears. Bryce, what's going on, man? Hey, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Of course, dude. Um... What do you have to say about those numbers? Millington High School grad, I'll add that on there. What do you have to say about yeah. those numbers? Holy shit. I mean, we played in the Tri-Valley Conference, so it's not – I wouldn't say it's the most respected conference. So, But, um, you know, we played teams like Frankenmuth, and we played Garber, who, you know, is home to the Van Sumerans. I don't know if you know – I've heard of Ben Van Sumeran. He played at Michigan, and then yeah. his brother plays at Michigan State. And oh, yeah. Ben State. actually just yeah. – yeah, just declared for the draft. So I played against him in high school, and – you know, a couple games away from playing at Ford Field. So high school was, you know, it was a good, good time. I love that, dude. Hey, but didn't get to Ford Field in high school? Just waited until you were at New Mexico State to make your way to Ford Field, huh? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's a pretty nice. sweet story, man. That's I was, weird. you know, just looking at your guy's record. And as an outsider, it might not feel like this huge grandeur of a season. You guys go seven and six. But three of those losses are to Missouri, Wisconsin, and Minnesota. 
And, you know, just some tough draws right there. You finish the year on a three-game win streak. Obviously, then you beat a strong Bowling Green team in that quick lane bowl. I mean, this year had to have been a great learning experience for you, I imagine. Yeah, and I didn't really know much about Las Cruces or anything like that. And, um, you know, the past couple of seasons were just – I think they'd only won, like, you know, four games in the last, like, four or however many years combined. So Wow. The turnaround was pretty crazy, and, you know, Coach Kill, who used to coach at SVSU back in the day, that's how I kind of, like, got connected with him, and um, uh, he just is, that's, like, his thing is turning around programs just everywhere he's been, and his coaching tree is just what he does, so, you know, I, it wasn't really a surprise for us. That was kind of our goal the whole season, and we started out kind of rough. You know, we played UTEP tough, but we started out 0-4 and, and then uh, kind of didn't look back after that, and we are just... Thankfully, we got a bowl game, and, you know, we ended the year uh, above 500, so. I love that. 0-4, finished 7-6. and A little bit of a Lions-esque season. Yeah. Some yeah, would say. Yeah. Some would say they, that might be a little bit of a Lions-esque season. Won, like, seven in a row or something? Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah. Uh, it was seven of nine, I know for sure. Six in a row or five. Oh, yeah, they lost to the Panthers and then. Bills. Yeah, yeah. And then, okay, yeah, yeah. 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 And you I was were saying watching the you Panthers got... game at the hotel in the, at the quick when I was we were at the Quick Lane Bowl and that was heartbreaking. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. not as heartbreaking least. as the Ram Seahawks game. But uh, oh. it was still yeah. Baker is Awful. not. Yeah, he's, he's Baker not lost that guy. a lot of fans that day in this area. Yeah, he lost a fan in me. I'll just say that. <laughs> it's tough, dude. Yeah. But um, you were talking about uh, moms from Iron Mountain, so obviously the proximity to Wisconsin is almost nothing. So your house, a little bit of a house divided type deal going on. Yeah, I was born in Marquette, me and my brother, actually. And uh, we spent pretty much every summer in Iron Mountain in the UP, you know. So we've made many trips across the bridge and stuff. And it's a special thing. A lot of people, like, from the lower peninsula that have never been up there, like, really don't understand. It's like a different, like, it's a whole different country world. almost it's just different it's like and a lot of people don't really get that uh a lot of people were when i go to, back to new mexico don't even know that michigan has two peninsulas so <laughs> like i'll refer to like the U, you know what i mean and yeah so it's i mean the up is super special and it's kind of cool to have like a little like lineage back there so yeah definitely I, I well even just being up here like the last two years um you saying that it's like a whole different you know, like universe up here, a whole different world. It's mm. like spot on, dude. Like it's like a. Yeah. I was telling my buddies I went back home last week, and I was like, "Dude, this is a vacation for me." Like coming back yeah. home now is a vacation because like it's so much different that yeah. it feels like I'm literally on vacation. No, it is. You're right. I I definitely I definitely feel and, that uh, sometimes. Do you guys have a bunch of snow up there right now? We got yeah. a, we got a it's, it's kind of melon right now. now, but we we got poured on for a minute. Yeah, there were a couple yeah. blizzards that came through. We got some some legit snow, but um, yeah, you know, it's no came joke. From, you know, started in Marquette. Didn't end up here and not coming out of high school now. Talk about after high school for you, College of the Canyons. That was the first time I had heard that name before, um, and I kind of mentioned it when I did your introduction. The, the route to where you're at now is is not a direct one. So talk about uh, you know that journey and what even and what put Canyons on your radar coming out of high school. I uh, basically just after high school, just uh, you know, I tore my hamstring going in my first year at College of the Canyons. Basically, I just was sending my film out. To a bunch of JUCOs, and uh, I was talking to UMass at the time. Coach Whipple was the head coach there. He's he was the OC at Nebraska this last season. Okay. He was the head coach at UMass at the time, and uh, I took an official visit there, and I was committed there. Uh, this was like probably like right after Thanksgiving, going into my senior year, and then uh, you know he ended up they ended up the whole staff ended up getting let go. One of those deals, the new coach like kind of a different direction quarterback wise. Uh, they didn't really weren't going to like honor. And so my next step at that point was to try to go junior college. I was thinking about maybe going to like, uh, like Grand Valley. Like my brother was committed to Michigan tech for a little bit, uh, which I know it's a rivalry for you guys, but, <laughs> yep. just, but uh, I don't know. I just like never, there's nothing. I love the Glee. Like, I'm a big fan of like, a lot of people don't know. It's like the best, obviously it's the best D2 conference in the country. And Hell yeah. I just, I just, I've always wanted to like, just do something different. So I just went, I started sending my film out to junior colleges and coach Whipple had recommended uh, California JUCOs specifically for quarterbacks. And uh, I just kind of sent my film out there. College of the Canyons, the coach there, coach Orsensky kind of picked up my film 
and invited me out there and I just liked the program and so went out there for my first year uh 2019 is when I was got there in the summer I had tore my hamstring like the second week in the fall camp damn and that was like my I've never had an injury like that where like I just woke up the next day the whole backside of my thigh was just really I don't know if you guys have ever had a hamstring injury or anything but not like that uh, thankfully yeah it just was like it was like black and blue I could barely walk and so I ended up just taking less class units or classes credits. So I wasn't above 12. So technically my division one clock didn't start yet. Cause you're allowed so many grace periods or whatever. And so I kind of just like, I, it was almost like a medical basically without like a, the official documentation. So I kind of took a medical you. then t- 2020, you know, COVID hit shut down the country pretty much. If you, unless you're at a power five school, you weren't really playing football, you know yeah, what I mean? Facts. Especially not in California. Yeah. And so I kind of just came home. I was still training. Uh, I was thinking about walking on to a couple schools like Central or, uh, you know, I was thinking about making a couple D2 schools like Valdosa State, something like that. Yeah, dude. And then um, I just ended up sticking it out. And I went back in the fall of 2021, played in a couple games, got basically enough film together where I could start sending it out to some schools came back to my JUCO in the spring for my last year of JUCO ball and was really kind of sick of junior college at that point, just cause, uh, you know, it was becoming just kind of a, it was just becoming a, a, a JUCO is a struggle. Yeah. If you ever talked to and we, it was just we've had a couple of guys on from a couple of different spots and they all kind of come back to that point, man, especially cause yeah. you know, a lot of guys go into that with the mindset of, okay, this is a temporary thing. I got to go here. Yeah. Like, just like, you know, get my film together or get my grades right for some of these guys. Yeah. And it's a stepping stone onto something else, right? The vast yep. majority of guys, this is not a long-term option. So when you have to stick it out for a year, two years yeah. maybe, and get those things together, like that grind is real, man. I've heard that from exactly. so many different dudes. Exactly. So I got there in the spring and I was reaching out to some schools and I kind of made up my mind that I wasn't going to use my next year Juco. I was going to try to get to a four year. So I'd have four years left to play three. Um, and so I was reached out to some schools. Montana, uh, was like an FCS school that was interested. Central. Really good was, football there. Yeah. It was a really cool stadium too. When I took my visit and everything. Oh, Central was, Central was a little interested. Uh, I was talking to coach Anise at Ferris and then like my last week there, uh, a DB coach from New Mexico state came and kind of took down my information. And then I was on a call with coach kill that night and he had, you know, he, he knows my dad a little bit because my dad's coached high school football in Michigan for like 20, over almost 30 years. And okay. um, Coach Kill used to coach at SVSU. Uh, he coached Matt LaFleur back in the day. Like, they, it was Big like time. Coach Kill versus like Brian Kelly at Grand Valley at the time. So that's it's pretty cool. That's huge. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. And then we were just talking about that. And then he, you know, gave me the opportunity to join them in the summer right before fall camp. And I just, it was, it really came down to them in Montana and I just kind of, jumped at the opportunity so i'm glad i did because it's since i've been there everything's been really really nice and first class and i'm really happy with the decision so i love that dude now i'm gonna go i'm gonna go like three steps back you said a lot of really good stuff there we got the whole story i love it but i want to start uh california i know california known for some really great high school football known for some really great juco football as well too especially when you had mentioned that your coach really advocated for that as far as terms of quarterbacks go who do you think of immediately what Aaron Rodgers? Oh yeah, Juco yeah, connection yeah. to Cal, and then yeah. finished up at Cal. But uh, those type of things. But that California experience—a Michigan kid transplanted all the way out to California. I imagine JUCO was probably not the only adjustment you had to make going out to Cal. Yeah, it was. It's total culture shock. Like you know, the JUCO I went to is in SoCal. You know, like so I'd fly into LAX. Damn the the town it was in or the city was Santa Clarita, which is funny because a QB on a at New Mexico State named what my buddy Weston. He's actually from the, it's called the Santa Clarita Valley. That's where I played okay. junior college. He went to a high school out there. So when I got there, it was kind of cool. We kind of knew like some of the same spots, but uh, it was like, I wasn't used to like mountains and stuff and you know, the dry heat, like, you know, fall camp. Was, is like, it really, hey, is it really dry though? Like dry heat? Is it's that a myth? Dry. Is that shit real? No, I think it's real. <laughs> I think it's real. <laughs> but like the humidity. I'm not that buying too, the dry wrong, heat. But uh, I mean, you guys have the dome, which is nice. So, oh yeah, we're spoiled. You know what I mean? It's nice yeah, and our biggest really... enemy at the same time. <laughs> yeah, 
Well, just get new turf and you'll be all right. But, yeah, exactly. uh, yeah, he gets it. He gets it. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it was a total culture shock. Uh, I adjusted pretty good. You know, the SCV, Santa Clarita Valley, where my JUCO was located, was a really nice area. But I would say downtown LA, like, I didn't really go to very much. I wasn't really, like, a huge fan. And um, I don't know. I just, like, like, LA was cool, but I think it's a place where, like, you kind of have to, like, grow from there and then kind of go your like take what you can get from that place and then kind of take it somewhere else. Cause I just, interesting, you know, yeah, it's just, it's really busy. A lot of, traffic. it's a lot. Yeah. It's, it's not for everyone, but I it bet. was fun. I'm, I'm definitely glad I had the opportunity to, you know, do be there for as long as I want. For sure. That's good, dude. Now you, again, talked about the family a little bit, your brother and his opportunity to play football at the next level. We talked about your dad, dad played at central Michigan brothers at army. Yeah. The house has to just be competitive as hell when you guys are all there. Yeah, it is. Do you guys know where Euchre is? Oh, yeah. Come on. We got in, like, a crazy, like, fight over a game of Euchre the other day. Like, my <laughs> brother's sister-in-law was there. Like, it was wild. But, yeah, the house is super competitive. Uh, Family Euchre fight. Yeah. That's my good dad stuff. played at Central. Uh, he played with Coach Blackstock when he was at Central, too. Your guys' high school coach. Uh, my brother was committed to Tech out of high school. Then, like, a week later, uh army offered him and so he decommitted and committed to army before signing day and that's then, huge uh, you know he played a couple years there and then he had to medically retire for concussions and i think he had like a back surgery that he wasn't man, able to kind of come lost. back from that's too bad and, uh but he had a good time you know and you know we're i'm like kinda, i kind of have like a personal robbery now with army navy and like you know central western's kind of like my dad's robbery and, yeah that's you know, sweet it's pretty cool mexico state so it's kind of cool how, how we all have like our own spots. So. I'm gonna say you guys are pretty well spread out. You've hit all the uh, hit all the areas. It feels like, but um, you know, going back to this year, that bowl game, that bowl win. You know, I should say, what was that? You know, the experience like coming home. Obviously, was definitely a big part of that. Um, but playing in Ford Field, didn't get there in high school. We talked about it a little bit earlier, but you made it there eventually. That experience had to be pretty cool. It was amazing. Just practicing there was super cool. Uh, like you said, never, I was like a game away my junior year and a game away my senior year. So, mm -hmm. uh, and then my senior, we only lost by like seven too. So, I mean, just, but be, to be able to run out there and like pads and just, it's like, you feel like a line for a day, you know, it was pretty cool. And every high school kid in Michigan dreams of playing at, at that stadium. So the fact that I got to run out there and like throw the ball around was pretty cool. That's awesome. You guys came right down the tunnel, probably at all the pregame, all that type of stuff. Yeah. It's just been like. That'd be it wild, man. That'd be pretty sweet. 20, it was like, it was pretty, like, pretty good crowd. I didn't know, I didn't think we would, because it's like almost 2,000 miles from Las Cruces where New Mexico is, so, mm -hmm. or New Mexico State. And so, uh, but we traveled pretty well. There was like, I think 23,000 was like the total at the game. And so, shout out the big. Aggie fans, man. That's yeah. big time, dude. It was a good atmosphere. It was fun. Yeah. Good stuff, dude. But um, obviously, moving forward for you this year, like we said. Great, like you said, a great learning experience for you. Next year, I asked this to a lot of guys. Next year, what do you got to do? Make that jump and you know really solidify yourself within that within that squad. Yeah, so I came, you know, in fall camp, and it was a lot. Definitely, just the playbook and uh, the four year level, and you know, I used my redshirt year this year, and I have three years left to play three, and you know, I'm hoping just in the spring I'll get more reps and more opportunities and more opportunities to grow and really just more opportunities to even fail because I just feel like you learn so much from failing just because, you know, you watch the film and then it's like you come. And so just opportunities in general, just, I'm just excited for the spring. Uh, I'm just excited for kind of, we just joined conference USA. So there's just That's a big. lot of, uh, yeah, a lot of hype and excitement around like our program right now. So just blessed to be a part of it and, you know, excited to grow here in the spring. Yeah. That was a textbook. Answer, and I was, was going to say, I really like the, yeah. uh, <laughs> I really like the opportunities part. I think that's a big thing, especially with, uh, college kids. Cause what, what year did you graduate high school? 19. Okay. Um, yeah. but just the thing with even kids coming into college, even just straight out of high school, like the opportunities thing, like if you're not failing, then you're not getting opportunities. You know what I mean? Exactly, you're going to, yeah. you're going to, you're going to, you're going to fuck up, right? There's my effort for the mm -hmm. day. But you're going to fuck up. So the thing is with that is like the, the the ability to grow off of that, even just firsthand for me this year, was a huge eye-opener because I definitely made some mistakes, but I feel like it made me a better player just because I was able to see things slow down. And especially mm -hmm. for a quarterback, so I'm, I don't play anymore, but 
there's a 100%. lot of shit going down. You know what I mean? You so learn, like you, you, you really got to dial it in. Yeah. You learn so much more from failing than you do from succeeding yeah. in my opinion. Just, For sure. So just having those opportunities, like you, like you were saying, just the growth is just, you can't, can't really get it anywhere else, you know? Yep. Yeah, and especially when you talk about spring football, because for guys in your situation, like that's your that's your Saturday, that's your game day, like mm. every day in spring football, because everyone's still competing for a job. But the cliche thing is like no one's job is guaranteed, right? Like come fall, come that the first couple weeks of camp, like yeah, you probably got a couple guys that are penciled in at spots, like mm. that happens everywhere. But the reality of it is, you have a great spring. All of a sudden, your your draft stock, for lack of a better term, is just up, up, yeah. and up, man. So that is it's definitely a, an interesting piece of that. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, the spring, like you were saying, it's like that's kind of when you can make your move, like, you know, depth chart-wise. And then mm-hmm. fall camp, you kind of just really have to, like, show that you're uh, consistent in that position kind of situ- kind of thing. And like you were saying, spring's huge. And that's what I've heard from most of the seniors and stuff is just the spring is just really, like, kind of that. It's a, it's a little more competitive, you know, a little more – there's a little more, you know, there's more opportunities for everyone than there yeah. is in fall camp. So, yeah. More juice, usually a couple live days mixed in there. Like, yeah. you know, especially you get to like a spring game or something like that, really have your chance. But well, you um, guys got, you got a bunch of guys juiced up because there's no game. So like, you know That what I mean? too, They're yeah. So it's like, and, yeah. that is your game day, 100%. So, and I wanted to, to kind of finish on this too. You talked about learning more from failures and successes, which I love. Do you have... Is there one or a couple moments that stand out from this past year where you really took a lot of, away from those moments at learning? Uh, yeah, just like my first scrimmage, and because we have scrimmages in fall camp too, not a lot, but I think we did like uh, I think we did like three. Okay, and just like I remember my first play, uh, pretty much as an Aggie in general, because I didn't really, I didn't really get a lot of I when I got in there so late, and so they just kind of threw me in with like the threes and the fours during the first scrimmage at the end. And I took it like 30 yards for a touchdown and then uh, on like a read option play. And then the play, a couple plays after that, like fumbling and just, or like, I think I went to go hand it off, like on like a four, like a stretch play to the left and I turned right or something, just something like that. So just like the highs are so high, you know, and then it's like the next play, like the lows can be so low. Cause it's like, you go from scoring a touchdown to getting like chewed out. And so yeah, just being tough, able yeah. to, just being able to like kind of measure, like, measure your emotions and just stay in like kind of even keel uh, is what I would say is like really important. Just kind of having a good poker face, that sort of thing. That's quarterbacking, man. Yep. Yeah. Like I said, yeah. neither of us, that's, that's not us. We're not quarterbacks, but those are the first guys you see on the field that if something goes wrong and their emotions are, are showing like the cameras are on, the people are watching. That's, mm. that's quarterbacking, like, man. Like cry baby Rogers. <laughs> 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 yeah, like try baby Rogers. That's good. like he's got but, a bitch about everything. Oh no play! Oh, that's good. <laughs> How do you drop that, <laughs> like bro? Oh, but Bryce, hey, we appreciate you, man. This has been good. I really enjoyed this, dude. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. I'm a big fan of the show. I'm a big fan of what you guys are doing. So it's been fun. I appreciate. It. Do you care if I shout out some people that I know are gonna watch this? Hey, you go for it, dude. Shout Your out stage. Brady Gulledge, uh, Weston Egget, Diego Pavia, teammates of mine. Uh, Briar Bears, my brother, and yeah. Chris Barris, O lineman, New Mexico State. Yup. Uh, go Aggies. Oh yeah. You <laughs> know it's Aggies. important because he picked the mic up yeah, to know, go get did. real yep. close too. <laughs> That's genuine. <laughs> they, they saw this on my story, and I, uh, they were like, "They were like, when's it coming out? When's it coming out?" And I was like, "I was like, well, I'm recording it tonight, and then I think it's coming out tomorrow. But yeah. I'll see if I can like work your name in or something." Like, <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah, bro! We should have challenged him to like. Get a couple Finesse words in. it in there. You know what I mean? Like they Shout out the homies, sometimes. bro. Yeah. Shout out the homies. I love it, though. Hey, appreciate you, bro. You got some fans in us. That's for sure. Yes, sir. Looking forward to Good luck, following you, guys. you, man. Appreciate it. Great talk with Bryce. He's a man, dude. Small world, too, with all yeah. like, the connections that we had. I thought that was well, that I was, was thinking, too, cool. like two yeah, uh, pretty local guys today for us. Yeah, very one, true. One in our old home and Bryce. I mean, Iron Mountain. He was born in Marquette. I so. say he said he was born in Marquette. So that's a sweet. I did not know that. It's a sweet connection. So. Really cool. Now, moving on to the D2 side of things. Like I said, we hadn't covered the actual D2 National Championship. So, for those of you who live under some type of proverbial rock, Ferris State went back-to-back. 41-14 to was the final against Colorado School of Mines, and they did it in pretty dominant fashion. Um, we watched that game, and it was pretty apparent from the beginning that Ferris was going to take hold of that one. And once yeah. they get up on you, Ferris is not a team that lets up. They're a team that has their foot on the gas. The well, yeah, they're a team that you're on the ground, you're looking up at them laughing at you. 
type, yeah. type of team. In the nicest way possible. Because they are they're ruthless. Oh, and yeah. That's how they play. Yeah. Yeah. It ain't even about like dirty or Being whatever. They, yeah, yeah. It's just they're just that's the way they play. So uh playing against the Harlan Hill winner, too, is another great point. John Matoka for the ore diggers. He was twenty two for thirty eight. With two interceptions. Very uncharacteristical stat line for him. He had been very good about not turning the ball over up to this point. Finished with 208 yards and two touchdowns. Um, so, not awful. But for that offense, how high-powered they look in the weeks prior. For Ferris to, to limit them to just over 200 yards of passing offense, I thought was pretty impressive. Did you catch I mean, any of the Colorado the Mines games before the national championship? No, but the thing is, is like the reason I would watch Ferris and... Grand Valley is because we played them, you know. what I mean, like yep. it's, it's it's different, like personal yeah. level. But I was looking at this right now, and I'm like, holy, like holy shit! Uh, School of Mines MVP for the game was their punter who punted seven times for 244 yards. Yeah, get a 50. And if your punter is your MVP, you know you're having some problems. Yep. So early on, too, like the struggles were apparent from very early on in the game. Their offense for the the Ordigers could just could not really get going at all. And so I think it's also worth mentioning that he won the Harlan Hill. It was versus the Harlan Hill runner-up and Caleb Caleb Murphy, excuse me. And he didn't have, like, he's had some crazy stat lines this season. This game was definitely not his, you know, most dominant performance. He ended up with, says he's credited here for three tackles, two of them solos, and one and a half tackles for loss. So and he, uh, nothing crazy, but still, he's a presence out there, and they definitely had to game plan for him going into that game. Well, the Harlan Hill got announced the night before the game, mm-hmm. and... Caleb was Fuel. on Caleb was on Twitter, like pretty much like, all right, bet, like LOL, watch this. Yeah. <laughs> and he went on to win basically every, award every other award. Yeah. And Cliff Harris was one of them for like the best small school uh, defensive player. player. That's yeah. all divisions too. Exactly. So and there was a couple other records. I believe he won, and I'm blanking on the name of it, but he won the award for the best edge rusher in all of college football. And it, I think it's only the second time, or maybe it's the first time ever that a division two kid has won that award. Out of all divisions, best edge rusher? I want to say so. No shot. You don't think so? I'm going to double-check myself right here. Best edge rusher in college football. But I guess, like, who was dominant this year for in the D1? Like, I mean, I would say Will Anderson. It feels like the one. The Ted Hendricks Award right here. And here you go. So, Ted Hendricks Award winners in the past. This most recent one, Caleb Murphy out of Ferris State. You know who it was last year? Uh, Aiden Hutchinson. It was Aiden Hutchinson out of Michigan. 2020, the award was not given. The year before that, another Big Ten guy. 2019. Chase Young. Oh, yeah. That is pretty fucking good company. I was thinking Micah, but he's he's not. It's not 29. Yeah, but um, either way, going back, you look at these names, the years before them. Cleland Farrell, Bradley Chubb, Jonathan Allen, like... These names, Javion Clowney is on this list. Yeah, that's, that's ridiculous. And as far as I know, I mean, looking at this list, he is certainly the first person, I believe the award started being given out in 2002. Caleb Murphy is the first one that is not not only a Division One, but not a Division One FBS player to win this award, the Ted Hendricks Award. Uh, he took that home this year along with the other ones that we had mentioned. So we know he had a dominant year, broke the D2. No, broke not the D2, the NCAA record for sacks. And I think... Season. That had obviously a lot to go into that award. So that's just ridiculous. Um, also, unreal. shout out uh, Brady Rose, Fair State, Mona Shores. Uh, he played quarterback there. Was I think I want to say he was runner up player of the year behind Donovan Edwards. Okay, but he led Fair State in uh, five catches, eighty three yards. There you go in the national championship game. Yep. And he had a completion for fifty yards too. I don't know if you remember little that. trick play or something. Yeah, sweet. They had I wanted one, to... two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine different ball carriers. That's what Ferris State does really well, though. They spread the ball out, and they get the ball in the hands of their playmakers. What they have, though, the luxury of is they have so many playmakers, right. and they can just get it all over the place. So what I wanted to do now, though, before we kind of moved on, is just compare the 2021 season for Ferris compared to the 2022. 2021, they set some unprecedented, insane records. Obviously, went undefeated both years. But if you look at their playoff run, which is really just absurd, the second round, because they got a first round bye. The second round, they played Grand Valley State, who played them very tough in the in the uh, regular season. Blow them out, fifty four to twenty. Under they go on to play, arguably the best defense in the country in Northwest Missouri State, who is one of the most storied programs of the last 
three decades for Division II college football, 41 to 20. And now all these games are at home. This is 2021, right? This is 2021, yeah. yep. Uh, they, you'll notice, too, they play a lot of these same teams the year after, which is very interesting. Now, uh, coming up after that, the national semifinal game they're playing against Tyson Bajant, the Harlan Hill winner of last year, held them to seven points. And it was like, it was at Ferris, it's snowing, totally different from Shepard and what they were used to in their offense. 55-7, to seven, they yeah, routed the hell out game. of them. Go to the championship game, fifty-eight to seventeen against a very strong Valdosta State team, and they set so many records for just the way that they dominated opponents. And we've talked at length about their ability to have line changes on the offensive line, and mm. the way that they were just absolutely punishing and brutal in that run game. That offense was was crazy. Now, looking at this year's playoffs, first round they had their way with Davenport. You know, it is what it is. Second round, though. Pittsburgh State, another one of those teams that has been around continuously, playoff team every single year. 17 to 14 at home. Barely edge them out by a field goal. And all of a sudden you're like, holy shit, like this maybe like the defending champs like might get knocked out right. here. That game was back and forth. It came down to really defensive struggle, timely plays, like a couple big plays kind of busted that one open. Well, kid had three picks that day. Exactly. Some really, really uh odd shit. Big plays. So then next week you go Grand Valley. That was the rematch that everyone wanted to see. 24-21 at Ferris. Another barn burner between those schools. So they've won the last two games by a combined six points. Very different from last year's playoff run. They go and beat West Florida pretty handily, and from there it was, you know, it was wraps for them. And that's why it's very interesting to me that look at the FCS level. You saw the championship was this year, correct? It was North Dakota State versus South Dakota State. What do you notice about those two teams? The two best teams. But they're in the same league. Yeah. And same and thing they, with us. Yeah. And they end up on different sides of the bracket. So FCS is doing something different. I don't know. They must not operate in regions, like the super regions or whatever, as D2 does. They must do something different because that really was the standing point that a lot of people kept talking about is that if Grand Valley were on the other side of the bracket, then they would have ended up in the championship with Ferris. And, and there's therefore so many would ifs in there, too. And like, exactly, yeah. You know what I mean? But like, like we don't know Hypothetically, sure. it would have been Ferris Grand Valley. And that's what everyone would want to see anyway. Yeah, because those are the two best games of the year. Yeah, Absolutely two best games For of right the year. For right now, so, at least. You know what I mean? At you, least last year. Yeah, if you look at the final D2 football Power 10 rankings of the 2022 season from NCAA.com, number one, Ferris State, obvious. Number two is Grand Valley. Pretty crazy stuff right there. There's nuts. It makes, I mean, it makes sense when you put it in the way that we've presented it. But for someone who was like, School of Minds is number three, they made it to the championship. Right. Interesting. Like, very interesting stuff. Um, rounded out, number four, West Florida. Five, Angelo State. Six, Pittsburgh State. Then you have Shepard, Delta State, Northwest Missouri State. And then a tie, and, and they kind of uh, go out from there. But just some very interesting points from the D2 and in the, the GLIAC kind of realm. But uh, do we want to start with some... And if, I think we can stick on the college football. We can stick on the college football uh, realm of things right now. Let's go right into talking about the NCAA. They're cracking down on the transfer portal. And this is something that the transfer portal, the world of the transfer portal, has evolved so much in the last couple of years. And even at our level, Division Two, it's become insane. Yeah. Right? We have so many people. I mean, we're going through it right now. A new head coach, a whole new staff. And we got guys jumping in the portal because they're just unsure. Right? And, and rightfully so. But this... New litigation from the NCAA is going to make it much more difficult for undergraduates to transfer a second time or any time after that. So really, the I'll kind of give you the main gist of this, almost the cliff notes. I'm not going to give you like the whole spiel on it. But basically, that you know your first time transfer rules is not going to really be affected by any of these, these new litigations or anything like that. But in order to transfer a second time out of an institution, you have to meet specific guidelines in order to be eligible to have that eligibility immediately upon, you know, going to that next institution starts with the 2023 to 24 season. Otherwise you'll be risking sitting out a year. Now there are exceptions for, like I said, it only applies to undergraduate students. It does not apply to graduate students who are still eligible to play immediately after they transfer. So if they finish a degree somewhere, they still have years of eligibility. They're free to go wherever, no matter how many times they've transferred in the past. Okay. Other things though, you will be granted uh, different types of circumstances can grant you to kind of, uh, get around this rule. The exceptions could include a physical injury or a mental health concern. So those types of things they obviously are placing a, a large emphasis on, especially given the landscape in the last couple of years and how those things go. But, you know, given those circumstances, people can get around these rules. But that really is it. People are not going to be um, 
It does say right here, they're not going to consider academic or athletic reasons like being unsatisfied with playing time on their team or disputes between coaches like and players. They're not even going to consider that for people trying to find another home. I mean, it's good. That's what needs to happen because the transport is literally like a zoo right now. And you, that's the only way they're going to make it better is they get new restrictions. Yep. You know what I mean? Like kids will just get scared off that and be like, all right, like F it. I'm not transferring. Exactly. I don't want to go through all that. Yeah. No, hundred percent. And that's, I think, I think it's good. I think it's good too. I think it's good for the kids and it's good for the, the athletes. I mean, um, without them even knowing it, yeah. because you look at the numbers of how many people, the absolute influx of people that are going into the portal and then how many people are actually Clearly landing out. on the right. other side. And that number is shockingly low. I believe it's over 50%, but it's not, that's not good. No. You're, and again, some guys are going to enter the portal. They're going to find a spot within a couple weeks or a month or whatever it may be because they're just that good. Not everybody fits in that boat. Yeah, think about having like a 60% turnover rate. Like, that's terrible. That'd be awful. You know what I mean? That'd be seriously terrible. So, I think it's a great, uh, a great new rule that they're implementing. And, um, you know, I guess you see when they actually implement it that, you know, some of the effects and, and things like that. But, yeah, a little bit more, uh, a little bit more uplifting stuff here on the pod. And that is that the Popeyes meme kid gets an NIL deal with Popeyes. So I'll cut right to it here. Popeyes has signed DeAndre's Collin, the Popeyes meme kid, to an NIL deal. He's a freshman offensive lineman at D2 Lake Erie College who we played this year. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that was pretty sweet. Had to include that in today's pod. So the news here says that on Thursday, Popeye's announced they're partnering with Colin on an NIL sponsorship. He's going to promote the restaurant chain, and his likeness will appear on a Popeye's billboard in New Jersey. Because of the news of his deal, it's also spread across the internet. He's already started to hear from other companies. I know Dude Wipes is one that reached out. Locked in. Some other athletic brand reached out. Colin. Enters Colin. He is going to be raking it in here. Just like that, bro. His life changed. It's awesome. And talk about, like, this meme has been around forever. Yep. Right? Like, this is not something that came around. So and funny. I, I was just reading it, and what it really sounded like is he hated it. He hated the attention until about, I think it said late middle school, early high school, he finally just embraced it and took all the positives out of it when he realized that, you know, hey, maybe being known for this isn't the worst thing in the world. Because right. there are a lot of worse memes than being awkward standing in line yeah. at Popeyes, and they were calling him Terrio. <laughs> <laughs> they call him what? Terrio, little Terrio. That's what they were calling him in the Popeyes line. And I just love it, dude. Like this is, I don't know. Like this is what NIL was yeah, made for. That's literally I, NIL. Dude. I think this is what NIL was made for, and it's such a weird, obscure example of it. But I think love about it. For it. Him. Like he would never seen. Like you know how much views he's getting and, a billboard, and you know how much views and shit that picture has got over the years, bro. Like a ton. Are you serious right now? <laughs> now he gets to capitalize. That's what I'm saying. At least a little bit on. I don't have any of the numbers of the actual deal. They haven't released any of that. I doubt they even will, to be honest with you, because that's that'd be pretty uncommon. But just to know that he's getting a slice of the pie, per se. Oh, yeah. I think is, is super important. Now, I don't think he actually played this year, but he is part of that team that we played this year, which is, I just thought that connection was, yeah. that was pretty funny. But um, before we get into some of the other, well, we'll react to one more here. I've got... Uh, We've got a good video here, and this is another NIL deal. While we're sticking on the topic of NIL deals, this one is from someone that is a little bit more recognizable than the man that we just talked about, that being Stetson Bennett, coming off his second national championship. We're going to look here, and again, for front office sports, shout out to these guys. It says, on Monday, Bennett won his second national championship in a row. Today, he returned to Raising Canes, working the drive through as part of an NIL deal. And here he is, man. I love it. That's awesome. He just taking orders, like just totally nonchalant. He's getting ready for the NFL with the guy with the, with the mic in the air. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's awesome. He's getting dude. the play call from those here right now. <laughs> Maybe that's what this is. This is NFL training for when you have the earpiece right. and the helmet. Look, he's right here. How quick? Yeah. He's telling the people to call, quiet down in, this, in, this, in, this, in the restaurant. Drive through, drive through, quiet down. <laughs> quiet. <laughs> Four piece with a side of fry and uh, Sprite. Twins left, X split, uh, <laughs> buffalo chicken. Ah, shit. <laughs> I love it, though. How awkward he does he look? He's faded up, too, bro. He, look at him. He's always faded up. How awkward does he look, though, standing there like that? He ain't even... How does he know the total? He's not even pressing anything. Like, how does he know the total off the top of his head? 
He's like, that's 675. He definitely has some type of assistant in front of him with the iPad doing yeah. all the work, and she just flips it around. Just, that's in. Here. <laughs> Sign here first. <laughs> what if What if he walked in, right, put his Raising Cane shirts on, threw a headset Filmed on. Filmed this and then left. Filmed this in about 15 seconds, and I, I don't fault with you, just walked yeah. out. <laughs> You don't say shit either. either. <laughs> yeah. You want to ruin my deal? I think not. You see what them boys did last Saturday? <laughs> or Monday? Yeah, they fucked around and found out. Yeah. You don't want to find hey, out. You know, fucking Raising Cane's drive through <laughs> You mess with me, you're going to stay here. Got me fucked up. <laughs> Look at him, though. Oh, dude. Like a middle scorer with the snack line with his hands in I'm his gonna turn, I'm going to turn the volume on here so the people can hear it. Um... We can't hear on the TV right now, but they're, he's giving the yeah, order all okay. that. That'll be $65.07. Okay, all right. Oh, that's too good, dude. That's awesome. He literally just, like, rattles off a couple of things. He's like, all right, your total is blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I love how he nods. Look at the nod at the end here. They can't see you, Stetson. Yep, there. Yep. Good nod. All right, yep, have a good one. Acknowledge, yep. I don't know. That's instinct. That's human instinct. All right, he's let's like get a, the hell out of here. He's a, he's a robot, though. I yeah, love it. Yeah. All right, but before we move on to the rest of that stuff, we're going to go to our second guest of the day, Taylor McCarty, who took a very interesting new job at Lawrence Tech. Joining us now, former Lake Orion Dragon. Hell yeah. Sir. He went on to play at Wayne State here in the GLIAC, now getting his feet wet in the coaching world. Taylor McCarty. Taylor, what's going on, man? Pumped to have you. Decked in the gear already. Love it. What's up, guys? This is awesome. Excited to be here. <laughs> Dude, we're pumped to have this you, man. Awesome. We're pumped to have you. I, I sent him a, a little DM before the show. I was like, hey, can I get a little picture of you for the graphic? Shoot, I'll send over a little <laughs> selfie if you need it, man. It turned out. Yeah, I haven't I haven't coached technically. I probably haven't even technically coached a day at Lawrence Tech. So I don't have any <laughs> meeting. Like, I've been to a couple of staff meetings and okay. went to a team meeting, but I haven't been on the field yet so i got no action shots that's all right man hey we're we gonna get that we're gonna get it taken care of we'll get the the guys down there get it taken care of now um you've been helping out we talked about it a little bit obviously you've been helping out at lake orion for how long now uh just finished my second season okay sweet so how did the i guess the gig at lawrence tech how did that come about were you actively pursuing something at the college level or someone reached out to you what went down with that so yeah so a little bit about my background. I obviously, like you said, kicked and punt at Lake Orion, kicked and punt at Wayne State. Stud. But when I was there, <laughs> I was going to a guy named Casey Lapata. Okay. He's a kicking coach. And what high school level he was training me. And then college level, I kind of came on on let's say on staff with him. Yeah. And was a volunteer coach on him. And then once I finished my college career, I started really getting involved with him and doing his summer and winter clinics and spring clinics. And I really liked being around the kids. And so that's why I jumped in the high school ball right away. Coach Blacksock and I had a great relationship as he was my special teams coordinator when I was at Lake Orion. And then, as you know, he took the head coach job. That was my first year was when he was that he was the head coach. And then this past year, coach Chris Bell is the head coach. But got into that. That was fun. And I'm like, I need some more. I want more. I, like, I still want to do Lake Orion. Let's do more. I work at Ford, so in Dearborn. So I'm like, what? what's what's near there? Yeah, so I was going to say that location definitely, Tech. I would assume, was a, was a big factor in that for sure, right? Yeah. Ten minutes away from my office. I'm like, oh, this is perfect. So I'm like, let me call up Coach Mitchell. He's the head coach. Yeah. Talked on the phone. He's like, hey, man, let's, let's get an interview going. Come in my office. Came in the office and... I guess now the rest is history. Let's go. Let's roll. I would say I love that. Just like a little self self advocate for yourself, right? Put yourself in that position. Now, I uh, I knew Coach Mitchell pretty well going through that recruiting process. Actually, took a took a visit there. Um, they were one of my one of my last schools that I kind of ruled out before coming up here to Northern. Um, really loved just like the idea of a new program, right? And like kind of being to being able to stamp your mark on a new program and define what that would be. And also, I mean, state champs is out of Lawrence Tech. I don't think a lot of people know that. They produce a ton of content for all the high school sports across Michigan. Just a lot going on there. And obviously the location in Southfield is is interesting. But, you know, is getting into coaching, especially, I guess, more specifically at the college level, is that something you always knew you wanted to do? When did that come about in your plans? When did you decide that that was something you wanted to pursue? 
Yeah, so I, I've had an interesting career. I was a true freshman starter at Wayne State, started as a sophomore. Then sophomore going to junior year, had a season-ending hip surgery, hip injury right before the season. So I had to take a step back and go into more of a mentor role. We had a couple of young kickers come in about, I believe it was about three. And I, I was a junior at the time, so I was an upperclassman. I had a leadership. I was in leadership roles. So I was like, okay. It's time to now start cultivating and giving my skills away, start teaching it. And I really enjoyed that a lot. So I'm like, oh, this might be something. This might be something. Then senior year got rehabbed back 100%. And of course, 2020 COVID hit. So cut the season. And I'm like, had a full job offer on the table. Couldn't turn it down. So I took it, left, left school to go work full time. And there was just a hole in my heart, man. I'm like, I miss the competitiveness. So I'm like calling up coach Blackside. I'm gonna try to get on the Lake Orion staff, got on the Lake Orion staff, did it for two years, loved every single second of it. I was funny enough. They, they call me part-time there because I got the full-time job. I'm not a teacher like most of the staff. So I got, I come late sometimes, but That's awesome. Um, got on, I was like, I can do it like once or twice a week. That was like my original Thing I told Coach Blacksock. Yeah, I went pretty much every single day. I just <laughs> I fell in love with it. Fell That's in love great. With it. I couldn't couldn't give it up. Yeah, I think that we hear that story so a lot like, too. With like even older college guys, NFL guys who are you know not to say that you're nearing the end of your career because you just had the the injury that put you in that situation. But those type of guys who yeah. step into that mentorship role, sometimes they know it's coming. Other times it sneaks up on them. But mm. when they have that chance to. I guess, for lack of a better term, usher in the the next wave of guys and help them, you know, show them their ways, show them the ropes a little bit. I think we see that a lot at uh, at all the different levels. Did you and Bevilacqua have uh, crossover there? Yeah, we did. So we actually played at Lake Orion together for I was one say, year. Okay, so he was a senior and I was a junior, and then my whole career he was there. Got you. Okay, yeah, that was the other name that I know I had known on a Lake Orion, especially you know within specialists, of course. So. Um, yeah. you know, back to Lawrence tech though, like I talked about before, still in the grand scheme of things, a brand new program, like they've been around for a couple of years. Yeah. And I just wanted to know from you, like what excites you to kind of be a part of that? Because there's still a lot of things unwritten for them. They're in a great league. Um, as far as the NAI is concerned, they play some quality opponents. So what excites you about, uh, you know, being able to join that staff and, and get over to Southfield and get some work in the number one thing that really excites me is they're Coach Mitchell, I've talked to him. I'm like, I, I I know a lot about kicking and the technique of kicking, the technique of punting. I know a little bit about snapping, not anywhere near an expert, just but being around snappers, I've known a lot. I've kind of know the technique. But his dad, Coach Senior, actually coaches there, and he is very knowledgeable on the whole special teams as a unit. And he was like, you guys can work together. You teach my dad on how – like the technique and truly of kickers so like how it should look, how it should feel for a kicker. And he in return will teach you like the whole special team as a unit. So that really intrigued me. I'm like, okay, now I can learn more about special teams, not just a little tiny phase of special teams as the kick, but the whole, what's the line doing? What should the line do? Where do we twist? When's it smart to twist? And then also a new program. It's like, you can put your stamp on it. You, you can, you can really help them elevate to the next level yeah. really try bring that great culture and bring bringing some oomph to it some youth into it I, I love it i've met the staff probably now a total of four times bunch of great dudes and that's really excite me it's a very faith driven program which is mm -hmm. awesome so it's everything everything he was coach mitchell was telling me just in my four days i've seen it that's awesome. Yeah, hey, so it's been one awesome. thing to talk about it, another thing to do about it. Um, the Blue Devils, they went 7-4 and four in 2021, had a couple really tough years before that. Obviously, starting up a program like that, when you're in a, the same league as Concordia Ann Arbor, Santa Heights, uh, St. Francis, Marion, these type of schools, like these schools have been around forever, it feels like, a lot of them, and uh, are really established. But they dropped back to 3-7 and seven this past year. I, I guess the takeaway could be that they have the potential – to go out and win, does that kind of seem to be the sense amongst these guys? Obviously, they believe in something because they've they've won some meaningful games before. So I just wanted to, you know, you haven't been around them too much, but kind of where their heads are at heading into, you know, this offseason. I actually attended my first players meeting today. 
Okay, um, there you go. Only there for the first hour, and I'm talking, man. The the juice is there. Good. These kids seem ready. Just just first day meeting them, they're heads up all the time, attention to detail. No one was in the back slouched over. These are some smart kids and want to get after it. So I expect a lot of big things. That's good. Yeah, and we had coaches, um, man. I, no, go yeah, for go it. Go ahead. I right, I was about to say the coaches, man. They're dedicated. Yeah. They're, they're watching film all the time, all the time. So we're ready to win. We're ready to get after it. I like that. We had, um, I don't even remember, we had Brady Apollon from the pier who was a, a quarterback over there for a while. And he, yeah. had, he had a lot of good things to say about the place. So I was, I was encouraged by that. Now, more specifically back to you a little bit, talking about coaching specialists, right? Especially at this level, do many schools at that NAIA, even like D2, D3 level, do they even have anyone focused on coaching those specific positions as far as, especially kicker and punter? Like, I don't know how many schools actually have a designated person on their staff that is devoting time to those positions. Yeah. So I can, I know for the high school level, I think, and I could be wrong, but I only know one other specialist coach in the state of Michigan. Yeah. I believe it. Hudsonville. And it's just because that my roommate from Wayne state went to Hudsonville and he was telling me about him. To be honest with you, I've tried to do some research. I can't find barely any research or specialist coaches out there just dedicated to the kicking and punting. So it's a cool thing. I'm trying to start. I'm trying to get it more because I started doing a lot of research on special teams and noticed that a lot of these guys are that played linebacker, played O-line, played wide receiver, corner. None of them actually played. They played on the special teams, but they weren't the kicker punter. So I'm like, let's try to bring a different sort of aspect, a different view in here and try to truly develop the kickers. I know that there's a lot of coaches around the country that do private training, but not a lot of coaches that are connected into a program that just do kickers and punters. Yeah, no, that's huge. And that people talk about like coaching what you played right all the time. I think that's a big like sentiment now going right off of it. Not a lot of people do it. How much of a benefit is it going to be to those guys? Again, you haven't been able to, you know, really get boots on the ground and get this stuff done. But I got to imagine the the upside is certainly there for these special teams. It's a, it's a third, you know, phase of the game. So how much of a benefit will it be for these guys potentially? I think it's going to be a big benefit because it's someone that is actually watching film that's one, done it, and two, knows how to do it. And three, I've done it. I've, I've helped coach for two years. So I've got a little bit of experience, but I'm still young. And that I'm trying to learn my coaching style. And so I'm I'm building off they're teaching me as much as I'm teaching them. As so I I can I can dive into the science of kicking and I can dive into all that, but everybody's different. Everybody kicks a little bit different. There's it's just like throwing a football. Everyone knows the technique that it's everyone teaches one way, but there's not one quarterback. All 32 starting quarterbacks in the NFL all have a slightly different mechanics than when they throw. Same exact thing with kicking. So what my my goal with them is try to give them the tools, give them all the tools for their toolbox and let them run with it. Give yep. them advice. And I think the biggest thing for them is that my coaching style is I like to bring out a camera out there and videotape them every single kick and then step back right after that kick instead of waiting three hours or in the next day to watch film we're going to watch film on the field and correct the mistake right there kicking is just like golf man it's very mentally driven and muscle memory so if you start getting in a bad habit if you're if you're practicing bad habits is actually worse off for you to keep on going on you should just stop and reevaluate yourself so that's what i'm going to try to bring try to bring a little bit more of knowledge and teaching to the actual kick. Yeah. Like the so immediate feedback. Yeah. I like that. I like that. I haven't really, cause obviously with a lot of positions, you can't, you know, you're not able to do that because there's such a, you know, such this valuable yeah. practice time, right? This emphasis is placed on, we have such a little time that we got to get everything done. And you see these high level programs are so efficient in how they use their time. But at a position like a kicker or a punter, sometimes you have a little bit more time where you can utilize that a little bit more in depth. Now you, you touched on it. Everyone kicks different. Everyone throws different. Do you have a guy though for your kickers, for your punters? Is there a guy in the league that you, you kind of show them to like this guy's teach tape 10 times out of 10. Like if you're going to do it, Anyway, this is the dude to watch. 
Yeah, a hundred percent in the kicking game is Justin Tucker. He is the yeah, most Justin, Justin Tucker. Tucker been scary. Justin Tucker, man, that dude does not miss. And you know when he misses because it's on every – I don't care if you're not even on football Twitter or kicking Twitter, man. It's, it's always news. everywhere. Justin Tucker missed uh, a field goal. Like, it's – so his technique is flawless. And he really works. And I don't just show them him because of his technique. He is big on the mental game of football. Mm-hmm. He visualizes every single kick. He is in the zone every single kick. So I like to show them both the kicking side of him and the – the mental, how he mentally prepares for each game. Punter, punting-wise, there's a couple of different guys. I love to show Marquette King because he can okay. punt the hell out of a football, man. Marquette he, was he, up in the Superior a, Dome not too long ago, actually. He was up here at, at NMU. Oh, really? Yeah. So hey, I, I bet you he was drilling them. Oh, he, he I'm pretty the sure. The dome. I was going to say, he was putting them off the top of the dome because yeah. – Long story short, his, his girlfriend, uh, Michaela, boxer, trains up here. So he came with her and was doing some training and okay. I guess just skied some balls in the dome, was just knocking them all over the place. Maybe took a speaker down or something. It was ridiculous. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. But he's the yeah, guy, he, huh, as far as teach state? Yeah, he's one of them. Pat McAfee, he was very smooth. He's a little bit – he's very smooth when he kicks. He's very – he's a great – I love to show his, his tape on kickoff he was a great kickoff specialist and one of my favorite pat mcafee things to show is the middle bunt in the super bowl gosh that's great he perfect perfect <laughs> i love to show my kickers that i'm trying to think of other punters i like to show i like to show a lot i like to show them a lot of different ones to kind of go off of because every punt's got a different style when i go to rugby there's a couple rugby guys i like to show I forgot what his uh, – Drew – he was the Ohio State guy a couple years ago. can't remember his name. I think it was number 91. But Good he, question. He was a great rugby punter. He's a great rugby punter, so yeah. I like to show him. That's neat, man. I mean, I, yeah, that'd be tough too. Like, you have guys that maybe want to adapt some of their style into their game, things like that. But, um, shit, either way, man, big things coming for you. I'm excited to, to hopefully hear more about it once you get to – Really be in Southfield, be around oh, those yeah. guys, um, you know, whenever that is. Um, but just excited for you, man. Super, super <clears throat> fun next step for you. Oh, yeah. I'm super excited, man. I'm, I wish it was fall right now. <laughs> <laughs> you and me both, I, dude. I wish we got outside right now, man. That's Watch good. Just some football. Good stuff, man. Hey, but we appreciate you a ton. Yeah, good luck, man. It's Thanks for coming family. on. Yeah, good talking with you. Good catching up. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. This is awesome. You guys are doing great work over there. That means the world, brother. It means Appreciate the world. It. Hey, we'll be in touch, all right? Yep, see you guys. All right, we'll see you, man. Great talking with Taylor. I just think it's so interesting at the NAIA level to even have that's a spider. Is that a spider? Oh, my God, dude. Is that? That's a wolf spider, bro. No, it's not, bro. Look at the thing. It's got bro, silver back on it. it. Take care of it, bro. <laughs> bro, Look at it. I'm, not fo- I'm not, dude. Get it. I need to get a paper towel or something. Get something, bro. Get the, the footballs right over there. Oh, shit. Are you serious? Are we allowed to kill spiders? On... Oh, my God, dude. Dude, take it out. I'm not doing this shit. I don't want to splatter. That's good. That's good. That's good. We're good. I don't want football. I'm definitely leaving that in. Why? I'm so leaving that in. Because this is a candid podcast. They need to know what's going on. You know what? You get our next guest should be on here. A wolf spider? No. Um, a spider killer? Spider-Man. Okay. Out of here. But <laughs> anyways, where was I before I was interrupted by NAIA. this guy? NAIA. I think it's so interesting that, you know, they have those coaches at that level because they really don't. And so for him to go do that at that level, right. I think hopefully it will give them an edge because you like, really don't have a lot of dedicated yeah. specialist coaches. And you said it first when you said that when you went to Lawrence Tech, like, because we talked about it before too. We both obviously t- took visits there. Yep. And I really, really... Like, seriously, do like Coach Mitchell a lot. I had a great relationship like, with him. Really I thought he was a great dude. dude. Good recruiter. And, and Yeah, and their their, their uh, position coaches, were, like, I, I had a great relationship with them, too. Mm-hmm. And I thought they had a great thing going on. Um, like, the location we were talking about is kind of Tough. weird and different. I know yeah. a couple guys over there. Uh, Keon Sanders, I talked to him for a good amount. He's a great kid. He's been playing really well over there. But... I think it's interesting because I feel like Coach Mitchell's a, a, one of the few guys that would hire a guy like that. He's just kind of a dude that would 
see a kid like this and be like, yeah, like he's got some, he's got knowledge. He's going to help our football program. That's willing to be a little bit different. Exactly. And give him a shot because you know, that's, that's a new thing. I feel like nowadays, new young guys coming in, getting shots and you see what happens. Especially guys that have played that position and just have that, you know, that's only helps his argument. Only helps his strengthens his. Yeah. Now a guy that is going to be looking for a shot here. And that's the thing that we're going to talk about now is Derek Carr. He's out of Las Vegas. He posted this message, which I will put on the screen while we talk about it so you guys can give a little bit of a read if you are watching on YouTube. Here is the first of two messages from Carr. And uh, let's just talk about it. While I have it up on the screen, we're going to let them read that. The Raiders QB, he tweeted this. It's a long thank you, basically, to the fans. As it was made official, he would be leaving the franchise. And I'll give you, again, kind of the cliff notes. Excuse me. Talking about from the bottom of his heart how appreciative he is of everyone every single day and operating with the people in the facilities, the fans. And uh, he said it's just very hard to say goodbye because he wanted to finish his career with this franchise. So moving over to the next piece here, he thinks the city of Oakland first, which I thought was a good gesture. Yeah. Then he goes on to think uh, Las Vegas. And, um, you know, all of Raider Nation, all of that. And, you know, I bet it was just really difficult for him to write this. Well, I'll say one thing. Derek Carr, welcome to the Indianapolis Colts. You can pack your bags. (laughs) You might might be onto something. And that's what I wanted to go next was the potential landing spots. He's such a Colt, dude. I had two two teams down. One of them wasn't the Colts, but that does make a lot of sense. He's such a Colt. I can just already see it. Carr in the four Colt jersey. Do you know what the two teams that I had written down were? Uh, An NFC and an AFC. Okay, um, Commanders? Nope. I have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the New York Jets. Hmm. What do you think about those? I could see him go to the Jets. I think the Jets are going to be a really strong push, push of Lamar. Yeah. Because I really do think that's I think happen. it makes a lot of sense for them because when you look at the way their roster is built up, they have a good roster. But yeah. more importantly, they have a lot of young talent on and they that got a team. Good, they got a good up front, up front, too. They do. They're up front. They've played really well in that position now. But <clears> you look at, like, you know, Two guys that could be, or not two guys, sorry, a guy that could be a defensive player, or a rookie of the year, an offensive rookie of the year, like arguably, yeah. right on that side. So Wilson and, and Breeze, before he got hurt, I was, you know, I kind of getting at that. Breeze oh, Hall well, is a Garrett stud. Wilson, too. Garrett Wilson, I told you, yeah, don't even think about Garrett Wilson. I was talking about Breeze, though, before oh, he yeah, got hurt. Yeah, he was yeah. having that type of season, right? So a lot of young talent there at the skill positions. Um, they need an established quarterback. And I think that's kind of Definitely. what they've, they've gotten at. Zach Wilson's not cutting it for them. Tampa Bay. You know, assuming Tom Brady is gone, the pieces are already there for that team to be good. We've seen that. Obviously, they had a lot of success in very recent history. Yeah. So, well, they'll have to do a lot of uh, soul searching after Brady leaves because they're all going to be in a very terrible, dark place in Tampa Bay. So, oh Jesus! The report here, though, on Carr, and this is a tweet from BR Gridiron, but the report comes from Vic Taffer, and multiple people have reported on this: is that if no trade is reached by February fifteenth, the Raiders will release Derek Carr. Now. That's the thing is that why would anyone trade for him if they think he's going to get released? Yeah. Because Well, get- this is the thing. If the Raiders came in and said, like, hey, listen, we'll give you a second-round pick and Derek Carr for shithole McGee and Bubba Watson, you know what I mean? Like, I'd take it. Because at that point— Bubba Watson? Yeah. <laughs> at that point, it's like, all right, well— we're getting at least like second round pick back and not just getting car and overpaying the shit that. out of them. I get that. Yeah. So I just, I just thought this report was very interesting because I don't know where he got that. Maybe someone, maybe it's genuine. I mean, there's just a leak, right? And that happens. I think sometimes in the NFL world, and we have to credit that. But um, yeah, if he does get cut, then, you know, whatever team is going to go pick him up probably doesn't have to honor his contract. No. I would assume the majority of it. Right. So it's going to put <clears throat> not only the, the Raiders, but whatever team is in, I don't know if I'd call him the Derek Carr sweepstakes, but the Derek Carr sweepstakes. I do like Derek Carr too. I think he's a I good, do too. I think he's a decent quarterback. He'll win quarter. I, I'll say this: he won't early twenty twenty three comeback player of the year nominee. Right now, yeah. Um, I'm saying Derek is a Derek Carr. Like, is no. he, okay, he's not a front runner. Okay, oh. never mind. <laughs> I would have said Kyler Murray, but he ain't coming back from anything. Towards ACL. That's true. I forgot about that. Yeah, never mind. I I stand totally corrected. But or Chase Young even. Chase Young could be a good. He could be a good one for that. But let's stick with the let's stick with the Raiders, right? And we've got a video from the Raiders camp that is pretty awesome. And from being from a journalism person myself, 
watching this video the other day was really sweet. And it is the newest reporter <laughs> on the job for the Las Vegas Raiders. I'm just going to show it here before we have the audio out. And this guy is awesome. He got the chance to go down on the field and interview Devontae. And I'm let the video speak for itself here. I'm going to pull it up big screen and then uh, then we'll turn the audio on. And I think I think you guys will get uh, you definitely will get a kick out of this guy and his interviewing skills. To your, to your camp and doing a seven on seven against Yes, sir. So what is what are your greatest memories in your childhood? Greatest memories in my childhood, I would say when I was young, um, maybe about seven or eight years old, I had an opportunity to meet JJ Stokes, who was on the San Francisco 49ers at the time. And that memory stuck with me because I was the first uh, professional athlete that I met that I met and it was just a great experience. Really nice guy. He helped out all of all the young kids and gave us great advice. So I probably have to say that. Got a quick picture, and I will say too, I got. I they didn't start at the beginning. I need to go to the beginning first and let them hear the beginning because he has every single stat from Devonte. I think, yeah, memorize. Yeah, the people have to have to hear this. I'll play it one more time for you guys because it's pretty special. Now I'm here with Devonte Adams, wide receiver for the Las Vegas Raiders. He's got 95 receptions for 1,443 yards. He's got 14 touchdowns and he averages 15 yards per catch. How serious he is, bro? So serious. Pleasure to meet you. But yeah, I just that was so yeah, that was so sure. heartfelt. Awesome. Great moment. That's, so that's what the NFL too. is all about, man. I love it. That's that's what they should be about, man. I love that. I thought that was really cool. So uh, my question for you is, when did the contracts start coming in? Like for him, yeah, him, him and little uh, was it Johnny for the Jets? Johnny was good, but this kid is legit. I think he might have a future, dude. Dude, and I'm not even saying like you know. Obviously, I'm joking about contracts, but like. There are definitely some markets that could take advantage of a kid like that, and like, bro, you saw the whole thing just, with the kick, the the corn kid on TikTok. Yeah, he's literally on every commercial almost now. A little different. We're corn. not we're not saying like, this bro. kid's a meme. We're not saying know, this kid's a meme. I know, I know. Just to clarify, but I'm saying like, what if a network puts a spin on something to try and engage a younger audience by putting a younger reporter in that situation? Yeah. And you know, I mean, he's I like think, f- fucking nine. <laughs> nine-year-old's like oh here, here comes what's his name uh i forgot his name yeah you're right but the I'm late like, show with little john <laughs> but i'm saying like is it that far-fetched for nickelodeon to come along oh yeah and yeah. film a 30-minute piece with him once or twice a week where he reacts to sports he definitely could and our and, and our there's world, a market, there's a market world, for that our, it's like I'm, i was gonna say our world has come to that point where like he would and i definitely, think it's a good thing because yeah. i don't think it's just the child audience it's not even that i think people would tune into that just to get not a even break. like people would just get there would people would get like action on it you yeah know what i mean like not even maybe just watch the whole thing but like it'd be everywhere yeah 100 percent. and i think people would watch that as almost like a, a different like a release from like regular quote-unquote right. regular news or regular sports journalism i think there's like saying there with booger mcfarlane and adam schefter Yes. Booger. <laughs> Back to you, yes. Booger. Oh, I didn't find Either one. Way. I found two today. I'm gonna have to take his name down because I'm gonna be I'm gonna be following Bro's career yeah, for sure. Yeah, 100. I love that. They're hanging up in the office. Yeah, that'd be sick, dude. Um, the office. But <laughs> the office. I knew what you meant. That's all we've got for today, though, man. Uh, we had some we had some good stuff. This is gonna be a longer episode for sure, especially yeah, the two good. guests. That's but uh, it's been a really good episode. So thank you very much for tuning in, and uh, we'll see you next week. We'll have a new. New person sitting in that chair over there. Trevor Lee? Trevor Lee will be joining us. Thanks for oh, the cats Mr. out of the bag. Uh, but uh, anyways, we'll have a, a third person here on the podcast to help us help us move along. But uh, thank you very much. Have a good weekend. Ski-woo!